Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Tucker, I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Some of these words that we're going to say right out of the gates that describe what this topic are taken out of context don't sound like, have a challenge into them. So we're talking about stereotyping. Yeah. Profiling. Profiling. But, uh, but we're talking about it through a marketing and a branding lens. Yeah, this is a part of our process right after the research. So if you haven't listened to the research part, there is a episode that we go through all the different ways we have research. And once we get that research, how do we use that research is the question. So this is how we use it. But you're right. So stereotyping in normal society, normal conversation, stereotyping is very negative. Like you just got stereotyped and that's usually not a good thing. Yeah. But looking specifically, you you, you actually defined or looked up like the dictionary definition yeah. of what the word stereotype means. Yeah, and so stere- place to start. Yeah, and so the definition uh, a stereotype is an overgeneralized, widely accepted image or idea about a person or a group of people. And so if you think about it in that light, this is perfect for what we do to kind of take what we do and narrow it into a category or categorizing it. But in the context of branding, we're going to use stereotyping to simplify and develop a story from that research, like I mentioned. So when we do qualitative and quantitative research, is like so with those insights, what do we know? And what who who are we going after? And what is that target audience? In in branding or in marketing, especially in marketing or messaging, when you start creating the components that are trying to engage and attract and connect, uh, maybe you're testing messaging, what messaging works. If you don't know who, like really specifically or as specifically as possible it is, who that messaging is intended for, then how do you know what to say to them? How do you know what it is that they, that they want? We, we were just talking with a, a client of ours who is targeting financial institutions. And our conversation was, went down the line of who, who inside that financial institution will most resonate with what it is that we're talking to them about. And we, we might have got to the team or the group. And our, our goal would be to get even further and say, who's, what's the face and the person and the role within that team, within that organization that is most going to resonate with what it is that we're trying to talk about? And the more that we know about that person, the more effective our communication will be. What do they need? What do they want? What's their problem? What do they hate? Right. What kind of language would really not resonate with them? And what kind of styles, what kind of visual styles would not resonate with them? Where, where are they at in their life cycle? What do, they, what do they do on a day-to-day? It's to figure out some of those things. And through research, depending on how much research we can do based on budget and timeline, we can get more of those answers or not. I think the biggest challenge is to take those and to really understand from an internal perspective with our clients is to say, okay, so this is your customer. This is what it's all for. And that helps us build this purpose for how are we going to market ourselves? And it doesn't, it matters your intuition a little bit, but we've done research. This is what your customer wants. So let's use that to the best of our ability. 
I think most of the companies that we work with have a pretty solid understanding of who their customers are and the specific people on that customer side. I mean, customers, consumers, buyers, whatever. I mean, that takes a, a lot of different forms depending on what it is that you sell. And I think most people do a pretty good job of watching the data and understanding the, you know, the demographics and the pain points of who those customers are. But I get a daily email from the Carney Group, which is called the Daily Carnage. Yeah. I'm happy to pump, promote that. Yeah, it's, it's great. They're, they're a great digital agency, I think, based out east, I think. Um, no idea. Don't know. Sorry, sorry, Carney. <laughs> um, but they share some really great data. And they did a survey um, a little while back that, set, that confirmed that said about 70% of companies are, are, do a really good job of using buyer personas to guide their marketing strategies. But what about the other 30%? Yeah, and that 70% is normally the larger organizations, right? More sophisticated. They Yeah. We had a client last Friday, we were we were in a meeting where we were gathering data, right? So we're at the beginning of this process with a client and we're gathering the data to say, okay, what are we going to try to find out and how are we going to do this? And we got to the end of this 2-hour workshop meeting and the client goes, you can get all that, all those answers. You know all that stuff. And it's like, well, we're going to find it out. Well, how do you find that out? It's like, yeah, so there's a great way to figure out things that some people who haven't used data before or haven't understood, like, so what is the research and doing that stuff? They didn't even know that was possible. So being able to say, okay, this is possible. How do we use that? It becomes really important. So we'll get into why, why it's super important. But before we do that, I just wanted to say, like, we understand when we build things stereotyping is how we craft it from the beginning but those ideas and all of those um preferences do vary per people right so if we're talking to moms mm -hmm. say we're working with a sports organization that's marketing to moms specifically we use a mom persona or a mom profile and her story and what does she want and all this other stuff but we i mean we recognize that the people do vary not every mom is the exact same right so this process will help us narrow in and become smarter, but there also is variations based on, okay, well, once we actually get to market and it turns out that we have a lot of moms that like this and a lot of moms that like this. So we need to, you know, split and go two ways with that. Well, yeah, we've actually worked with a customer where mom was obviously, you know, a key part of their audience yep. and, and we worked with them to figure out and determine for them, it was actually mom who works. Um, mm -hmm. we called her you know, whatever soccer mom, and we'll often give her a, a stock photo face and a name because it helps put a human being to this person. Yeah. Um, is it a stay at home mom who's raising her family and, or is it a corporate mom? Is it mom that actually coaches her kids soccer team? So we can drill down on that, yeah. you know, and get pretty granular, but without knowing who that customer is, then how do you know what they want? And how, how do we know what they're looking for yeah. from you? And there's fantastic insights in there to say, okay, let's take that example for mom and say, okay, well, she goes to, she goes to work in this. Where, where does she shop? Does she shop at Target or does she shop at Walmart? Or maybe she shops at a local grocery store. Or what kind of products is she buying? What kind of food does she like? And does she drive to work or does she take the bus? Or and, does she carpool with somebody? And there's some great insights in there to say, well, maybe we aren't a food company. But understanding what kind of food that they eat and what kind of food they f they feed their family might really help in the way that we market to them. So you'll find insights in places that you wouldn't think are insightful. 
But when we do this profiling or the stereotyping, it really helps us break into categories of what that brand needs to fulfill. So we we normally will have somewhere between three and six categories of saying, okay, so here are the three to six types of people that we're serving, right? We do this for internal brands. We do it for external brands. But to say, who are we talking to and what messaging buckets need to be filled? Because we're going to have to market to each one of those at some point. And then how do those line up to the overarching brand and the message that we're stating to everyone and that's how we really work things is we start with a profile. Yep. Yep. So this is all this is all the positive side of uh stereotyping and yeah. profiling. It's understanding, it's clarity. And we're not going to get into the negative no. of stereotyping. That's no fun. And um so for example, if you don't know who your customer is because you haven't taken the step of studying them or figuring out who they are what what's something that an organization might be challenged with or experiencing in terms of their marketing if yeah. they don't know who their customer a is a symptom a common symptom that we see when a client comes to us and they say hey we got a problem our product satisfaction or our service satisfaction is incredibly high everybody loves what we do but we just don't have much conversion rates we don't have people like knocking down our door to take our products, but when they do, they love it. And that means that people within the target market who use the product really enjoy it. It's right for them. Yep. However, your very limited number of group that are engaging with you just don't resonate with the way you're saying things, meaning you probably don't have creative, whether that's verbal or visual creative, that resonates with them, draws their attention, and holds it long enough to say, yep, this could be something for me. So using profiles, and normally when we talk to a client that doesn't have profiles, they don't quite know their customer. So they're not saying anything to them or they're saying the wrong things to them. Or they're marketing in the wrong places. Yep. And then if we can do those profiles, that's going to give us great insight into, okay, how do we need to say to these people and where are they consuming this content? We work with a local pizza franchise and when we started working with them they had not done they just they hadn't taken the step of doing any sort of customer insights and understanding they're, they're really focused on making great pizza and getting it delivered on time so we took a step a, a small step of doing some surveying and understanding their customers and we landed on a working soccer mom and recent college graduate mm-hmm. as the two people that were the most most likely to buy their pizza the most often. Mm-hmm. And one of the locations that they were currently spending most or all of their marketing and advertising budget was with the local professional basketball team. Yeah. And so our question was, is Matt, our recent college grad, is he going to the games? Can he afford to go to the games? And is soccer mom going to those games? Because a lot of this advertising was done in partnership and on site with this basketball team. Or are there other locations and places that soccer mom, who is 80% of our audience, who's looking for a healthy but yet fast solution to feed her family tonight, because she worked all day, mm-hmm. are there other locations that would be more appropriate to place that money? So I'm not saying that marketing with your local sports teams aren't appropriate, but I bet there are other sports organizations, maybe at even a smaller, more local neighborhood level, yeah. that she's going to see 
and yep. emotionally connect to way more than I don't know what the we we had determined that the customer base of this this professional basketball team was not soccer moms. It just wasn't the right fit for no. the marketing opportunity. So it was a it was a relatively I want to say easy and eye-opening solution to Im- instantly improving their marketing efforts by shifting the places and the language now that we know who we're talking to. And those issues sometimes run we run into those issues sometimes when the leaders love that opportunity but the customers aren't the leaders. Yeah, right? the, the leaders were basketball fans. Exactly. Where they go, well, who doesn't love basketball? Right. Well, your customers don't love basketball. So right. that's a problem. Um, another symptom, the second one, you want to get into that? Yeah, if you don't know who you're talking to, then you don't know what they want. You don't know what they like. You don't know what the, we would call these uh, psychographics. We don't yep. know what their pain points are. Then it makes developing any marketing pieces really difficult. We'll feel like we're spinning our wheels and ultimately we won't really know why something's not resonating. It's really watering, ends up watering yeah. everything down. If, if we're trying to develop a brochure for somebody and it's taking a really long time to get those materials done, a brochure should not take you very long at all. If you know your customer and you, you, could, you could write a brochure and design it within a couple of weeks, no problem. If it's taking you months to think about a brochure or what's on that brochure and how that should be marketed, then that means you probably don't know as much as you should about that customer. And that would really help you move forward. Sidebar, inside note, we're up here at Susner. We're an extremely dog-friendly environment. And we've got a couple puppies running around today. Yeah. So if you hear some barking in the background, they're just they're trying to get in on this conversation. Um, yeah, that's my dog. That one was, The yeah. barking one. Yeah, almost always <laughs> would be my dog. But yeah, sorry about that. We'll stereotype and profile uh, yeah. our canine friends. So stereotyping them would say all dogs bark. Right. <laughs> um, so and then how about the, we have one more kind of really common symptom that tends to jump up when people don't have an understanding of their customers. Yeah. And that's a value proposition that's universal. When they have one value proposition that does not change based on the customer, that probably means they haven't done deep understanding of their customer because while your high level value proposition might be the same maybe you 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 make this widget to serve this type of person that's totally fine but those people are they have different problems so your your value proposition is going to vary a little bit and when we see somebody who's like oh no we do this that's what we do we have a, a company that we work with that's in property development and construction and they're two Customer profiles on one side are the potential residents that will live in these places. Yeah. Their other primary customer are the communities in which they are looking to build these properties. Actually, there's a third customer. The third customer is the financial partner mm-hmm. that finances this. So there's absolutely an umbrella value proposition for this organization and what it is that they stand for and, and what it is that they're setting out to do. But the messaging gets segmented very, very differently to a prospective consumer, to a financial investment partner, to a community in which you are looking to build it. So having an understanding of these three different profiles um, is extremely helpful in not ending up 
watering down one message that doesn't connect with anybody. Exactly. But the high level message is relatively the same. This is what we do. Our company mm-hmm. does this. But for this audience, we do it because of this and for this. And for this audience, we do it because of a different reason and for a different reason altogether. And that means that you can resonate more with the same service. You can resonate more with different audiences that helps you expand your marketing opportunities. So for an organization that is saying, you know what, you're, you guys have kind of hit home with me. We, we, we need to do a better job of understanding who we serve. Seems like common sense, but even for ourselves, we'll go you blink your eye. You're busy. You're busy doing what it is you do in your job. And it can take a, a moment to step back and work on your business from time to time. And I think some, and your customer base can shift and can yeah, change. Absolutely. And so like, you know, hypothetically, even for ourselves, two, three, five years goes by and the primary types of people that we serve may evolve or shift or change. And to take a moment to step back and say, hey, let's let's look at who, who our customers are. What are a couple of components that people could be thinking about? Yeah, the first thing that we would always suggest that anyone does is either collect your data or go and get some data on those people, whether it's quantitative data or if it's qualitative data, whether it's sending out a, a simple survey just to your customers to say, hey, we have a couple questions, like trying to figure that out. Um, that's pretty easy for people to do in-house or whether it's just having a couple of interviews. I think that you find out a lot of things with interviews with people that you don't necessarily deal with on a day-to-day basis. So if your customer is a soccer mom, like we've kind of been touching on, then go talk to a couple of those. Go talk to a handful of them. Maybe even half-hour interviews. It doesn't have to take you very long. Have the same set of questions. Just get an understanding of their day-to-day lives and how your solution fits within their challenges. That'll give you some really good insights for, okay, here's what that problem is. And that's those relatively inexpensive just cost you I don't know, maybe if we say you do six interviews at a half hour a piece plus organizing everything, it's maybe four or five hours of work to just say, hey, just get this done. Um, That'll really help. If you can do that, that next step that I would say is to develop a character, to to develop this personality around that your, your customer, make it really easy and say that soccer mom's name is Julie. It makes it really easy to go, hey, let's go make an ad that speaks to Julie. And if we're doing that correctly, or if our product is speaking to her correctly, then that means it's going to be easier for internal teams to start working with that and say, oh, here we go. That brochure actually just needs to say this and look like this. Easy. And if those two things aren't right away, I mean, that's what I would say absolutely is the first thing. Yeah. First level is just understanding what we would call who's the primary customer, maybe who's your secondary customer. And then even looking to a certain extent at the demographics, where are they, how old are they, where are they physically located, the more that you can understand, the more we can, we can know what they're motivated by. Um, for, for our organizations, one just simple question is to say, well, in the past, you know, who, who's, who is it that's hired you? Who hires you most often? And even who within that type of organization that hires you or buys your service 
what's the role of that person within that organization that is most often to purchase from you? And then we can get a, a name and a face and a, some motivations behind what that person's looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a consumer side of this for somebody who has a consumer retail product. And then there's, you know, our, what we would refer to as a business to business where you have a corporate person and they're buying a service from you maybe, um, or a product that they're going to resell. So there's a variety of layers to this, but whoever your primary customer is to figure out as much information from them, um, is super helpful. When we look at certain things, we talked about the symptoms being one of them being your products got super high satisfaction, but conversion rates are pretty low, meaning that could be a a telltale sign that you don't know who your customer is. That doesn't necessarily mean that's it, right? When we look at some things, you could just have the wrong target audience. That's happened with multiple clients before. We had a client in a sporting goods company that they, they, they were going after this. They had a fantastic product, best product on the market. And it turns out that they were just going after the wrong audience. That understanding your current audience might help you with that, but that's not necessarily going to solve all your problems. Right. And this is all, you know, we're assuming that your products are amazing as they always are and best in class. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're not in, we're not talking about persuasion. Yeah. The big difference between branding and advertising there, right. It's, it's not about persuading people to do something that they don't really want to do. No, it's creating an, an awareness of a real authentic solution to their need. Yeah. And I think that that gets lost a little bit to say, if we're going after a certain customer, how do we just convince them to buy our product? And it's not about convincing them. It's to figure out what they really need and telling them and talking to them about that. Well, and that pivots into the other component of this data, which is like I mentioned before, the psychographics, the the attitudes, opinions, interests, emotional type of information around this specific customer profile, the things that motivate them and what they're looking for. You know, we've talked about products that solve an external need versus products that solve an internal emotional need or challenge that somebody is uh, dealing with. How did they take action? Why do they take action? And to your point, or why didn't they take, why didn't they take action? And to figure out, okay, where are we disconnecting? Where Where's our message not quite getting there? Or is it, and I think it's easy to go, oh, here's here's the customer profile and this is, this is what they want and our message needs, needs to change. It's not uncommon to say, oh, here's who we're speaking to and our visuals are not that attractive to them. If it's a, a sporting goods brand that's going after a youthful audience of high schoolers, but their brand looks like it's for 45-year-olds, that's not going to connect. So whether or not their messaging gets there is, is, I would say, the lesser of the problems. And the challenge that we see all the time is the leadership or the owner or the marketing leader is a 45-year-old, and yep. they're looking for that creative and that design to be appealing and attractive to them yep. also. And that's okay, but if they're not, if the target demographic is... 20 years younger than you, it's quite likely than that where they're at and what they, where they're, where they're living and what they're doing on social media is probably different than where you are at. Exactly. We find it all the time that people put their personal preference in way of trying to build the correct 
marketing assets. And I think that that's not their fault. It's just they don't really know that that's what's going on. And I think it's really easy to have personal preference creep into what you think is right here because you're you're just looking at it from your own eyes and you're not you don't do this every day. This isn't you don't you don't redo your brand assets. You don't redo your visuals every day. This isn't what you do. You're focused on trying to market and finding the opportunities. And so it's just natural to feel like you know it right, but you need to think about it in the light of somebody else's lens. We're working with a company right now that's looking to launch a a product in the in the energy space and and through the research that we've done with them we've honed in on a um, i'm just going to say a, an 18 to 24 year old female skewed market mm-hmm. that knowing that is incredibly helpful for us to then go out and then do a next level of research to say where are these women where are they actively shopping? What are the other products that they buy? What are the other brands that they're into? And what motivates, what, what is it in their lifestyles that would motivate them to be interested in this product that's different from what that, say, 45-year-old male exactly. is looking for? They're, they're in two different times of their life and two different places and in maybe different parts of the country or world one type of creative is going to attract one group and one's going to attract the other group and it it's going back to the products that they buy it becomes really apparent oh oh, they they like these brands and then if you go well why do they like those brands they all seem to have the similar style they kind of say the same thing what's the through line in there and how can we insert ourselves as a part of that group so when we look at profiling or stereotyping, what is one thing that everyone should take away from this? If you haven't, if, if you haven't taken the chance to consider who your customers are and to ask your, even yourself, why, why have these customers been buying from us and why have they not been buying from us? Don't be too hard on yourself because it's more, it's more common than you would think that people have just moved forward making assumptions and actually gathering the data. But if you take the step of knowing who your your customer is, no matter how small that step is, it's incredibly helpful at taking the guesswork out of your marketing efforts. And we always look at, you have it written down here in the show notes, but it says perspective, perspective, perspective. And that's how it is for us to say, who are we looking at this through? What lens are we seeing this through? It's not our own. We can bring our expertise. We work with marketing leaders who bring their expertise to the table. But at the end of the day, we need to be looking through the lens of our customer. How are they seeing it? Yep. Knowing, knowing who they are, make sure that you speak to them in the right language, in the right way, and helps you guide them with your creative and with your messaging to take that next step to well first to get their attention to capture their attention and then to take that next step that you're looking for them to take yeah so as we move forward be smarter about your customers think about it a little bit step there's some, back there's great tools out there fantastic um online uh survey monkey for example um some relatively inexpensive ways that you can do this it's never been easier to understand who you're selling to 
Yep. Never, never, ever. And and like you said, um, we had a, a separate discussion on qualitative and quantitative research. If you're interested, go back and check that one out. Um, there's a little bit of, it's a side conversation to what we're talking about here. It talks a little bit more about well, the type of those and what do we do specifically to get those answers that we're looking for. So I think that's a good way to start if you're interested in moving forward with data. So the more you know. Yeah, that's how it works. All right, until next time. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark, guiding marketing leaders who are working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more on Susner, visit susner.com. Thank you.